Sub Freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. I like to say it was quality rip, but I don't know. Recording these ads before Matt and I go live at 2 p.m. Eastern today, April 29th, 2021. Trying to be productive here. Trying to be a, a good allocator of time. I don't want to have to record the episode, then record the ads, then have you freaks waiting for it to get live on the podcasting app. So, oh, hey, have some time here. Going to read the ads before the rip. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking cash app. Cash apps, helping you stack them sats. Just kidding, I'm not going to get cheesy with the rap. But seriously, you can stack sats on Cash App, send sats, receive sats, sell sats. If you so please, you can send sats to other Cash App users with the cash tag alone. What else can you do? Oh, you can DCA in the sats. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly, set it and forget it within the app. You can get paychecks direct deposited into the Cash App. They're offering account numbers and rallying numbers. You can make Cash App your bank account and start stacking sats more seamlessly. Huh, what else can you Oh. They have their boost program. You get a boost card accepted anywhere that Bees is accepted. Uh, sometimes you get sats back. You, you put your sats back boost on. You go spend money somewhere. Boom! Sats back into your cash app. It's pretty dope. Pretty dope. What else? What else? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's about it. Cash app's pretty dope out. You can stack sats there. Use the code stacking sats if you haven't downloaded the cash app yet. That's SC. How do you spell stacking sats? S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. This rip is also brought to you by our very, 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 very good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is building products for Bitcoiners, leveraging Bitcoin's native properties. It's an incredible thing. They've got, on top of that, they've got great content. I sent Parker Lewis's Gradually Then Suddenly series to somebody yesterday. Orange pilled them in the afternoon. The dude emailed me last night. I was like, I'm sold. I'm in. I love this. All because Unchained is doing incredible things. They're building incredible products. They're putting out incredible content. And for you freaks, they have a special deal. And they have a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to a multi-sig vault in which you hold two of three keys in no time. Here's the package. You get $50 off if you tell them the TFTC sent you. And what's going to happen is they want you to get comfortable in using their Vault product. Their Vault product is a two with three multi-sig Vault in which you hold two of three keys. Whenever you want to move your, your sats out of the Vault, you can do so by yourself. But if you ever earn a crunch, you only have one of your keys on you. Uh, Unchained is there to be that two and the two with three uh, multi-sig setup. So you can you can leverage them. But what they're going to do with this this concierge service, this white glove concierge service, they're going to get you on multiple video conference calls. They're going to get you comfortable with multi-sig in general, explain to you what it is. They're going to get you comfortable with the Volt product specifically, explain to you how it works, walk you through it, do some tests. They're going to get you hardware wallets. They're going to send you two hardware wallets. They're going to help you set them up. Obviously not like see you exactly set your private public key pairs, but they will get you comfortable with setting up a hardware wallet, protecting your seed, uh, giving, making sure you understand the importance of protecting your seed. They're going to set you up with a vault. They're going to get make sure that you have uh, everything backed up properly, including your derivation pass and your redeem scripts and all that good stuff. And then when you're all set up and they're positive that you're comfortable, they're going to dump $1,000 worth of sats into your vault. Whew. It's an incredible thing. We're going to link to that White Glove Concierge service in the show notes. 
But again, go check out everything that Unchained's doing at unchained-capital.com. That's unchained-capital.com. Above the team at Unchained was in their offices a couple weeks ago in Austin. They sold me. They sold me on Austin. I'm coming, guys. Marty's coming for that ass. Austin better prepare itself. Uncle Marty's coming to town. And he's got his shit kickers. And he's ready to kick some shit. This rip is also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is helping you leverage Bitcoin's native properties as well. And they've got a new lending platform, lend.hoddlehoddle.com, which is available to U.S. customers, which is pretty big because Hoddle Hoddle usually isn't allowed to do to U.S. customers because the U.S. government and the regulatory agencies hate freedom. Lend at Hoddle Hoddle is a new non-custodial Bitcoin-backed lending platform that allows peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally anonymously and on your own terms. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things. If you're short funds, you don't need to sell your Bitcoins. Get some liquidity by borrowing using your Bitcoin as collateral. And the great thing is you don't need to entrust someone with your funds. Again, they're leveraging Bitcoin's native properties. Your collateral remains locked in the multi-sig escrow. You hold one key, your counterparty holds one key, and Hoddle Hoddle holds one key. During the duration of your loan, you have that key so you have visibility into the multi-sig wallet so you can be sure that your funds are never being rehypothecated. They're going to be where they say they're going to be, and you can monitor that the whole time. If you have stable coins and you're looking to earn interest on them, you can enter the other side of that loan book and put your stable coins off to be lent out to Bitcoiners looking to get a, la- a loan, and you can get some interest on that. So create your offers, set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com. That's lend hodlhodl.com and if you're outside the u.s you want to leverage their other products whether it be prediction markets their peer-to-peer exchange definitely go check those out as well hodl hollow incredible team max roman and crew again leveraging bitcoin to native properties to bring dope products to the freaks last but not least this rip was brought to you by our good friends at brains brains they've got We've got a very aggressive monster working there. His name's Edward Evenson. He hates cheese and he likes cracking the whoopee, whoopee, whoopee. When what's minor? I'm gonna have to whip you, Ed. Then you like keep what the devs. When, when why am I saying when's when what's minor? Because Brains OS Plus firmware allows you to stack more sats. It's pretty incredible. But we're going to talk about today is the fact that Brains has recently released two significant product updates that can make life much easier for Bitcoin miners, especially larger operations. If you're a large operation, listen, Slushpool got its first major update in the past couple of years and has some new industry-first features. The payout system is ultra-flexible, enabling miners to receive rewards on a daily, weekly, or monthly schedule of their choosing or to set a custom payout threshold, which automatically triggers the payout transaction when reached. This is pretty massive. This is pretty massive. Big UTXOs. If you want those big UTXOs, you can set it to get those big UTXOs. We all know the ladies love the big UTXOs. They get all hot and bothered over it. They've also enabled mining rewards to be split within an account. For example, a miner could automatically send a portion of their rewards to a hot storage wallet to cover OPEX and another portion to cold storage for long-term hodling. Or, say you have three partners in a mining operation, you want to split those mining rewards evenly between the three of you? Boom. Slushpool is enabling that. Also, miners have been requesting it for a long, long time. And you know what? The Brains team aims to please, and they're here to let you know the Brains made it happen. Slushpool now has a dark theme for users who want a UI that's easy on the eyes. You get those fat UTXOs, and you're able to save your vision at the same time. Slushpool's 
looking out for you freaks. Visit slushpool.com to check out those updates. And then a major update to Brains OS Plus Manager, an online platform that enables miners to remotely monitor and manage all their ASICs running in Brains OS Plus firmware. This can help miners improve uptime and keep the farms running optimally without the hassle of need to be on site 24-7. You don't need that little mining menu on site like mess with the hashboard make sure we're getting as many sets as possible no brains os plus firmware monitoring system is out now the manager will always be free for brains os plus miners and they cannot and they can connect excuse me to an unlimited number of devices so you can monitor it on your phone laptop wherever you may be security and efficiency were top priorities brains os plus manager uses stratum v2 for smaller and less frequent data transfer with all ASIC configuration and telemetry data being sent via encrypted connections with which protect against eavesdropping and man-in-the-middle attacks. Very important. For details on the manager and how to set it up with your mining operation, go to brains.com. That's B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. Double I. B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com. And click the Brains OS Plus Manager in the top menu. Enjoy this rip, freaks. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm reading this in the past before we've recorded the rip. I'm Vibes are high right now for your boy. Energy's high. I'm going to bring the energy. Is Matt O'Dell going to bring the energy? I'm pretty sure. He usually does. He's never even low energy, especially like not even during the coffee rips. I'm expecting a high energy RHR today. I guess we'll see how we did in a few hours or like four hours. Enjoy, freaks. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. Uh, if you're not paying attention, what is up, freaks? You probably should be. Welcome back to this week's rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt. Marty. The price is tanking. Alts are pumping. Is Bitcoin dead? Uh, it's weird that the price is tanking since there's another bullshit rumor of a company owning a shit ton of Bitcoin going <laughs> around right now. I missed that. Uh, was it Facebook? Well, so yesterday was Facebook, right? The Bitcoin Twitter decided to start that rumor. And then it hit Fox Business. And then Bitcoin Twitter was like, Fox Business said it too. <laughs> Even was the rumor started on Bitcoin Twitter? I'm 99% sure it was started on Bitcoin Twitter. You know, people, uh, they realize they get the engagement if they come out with uh, unsubstantiated rumors first. So everyone's rushing to get it out first. Um, needless to say, Facebook did not buy any Bitcoin. We saw a fantastic little pump and dump on the, on like the five minute candle. And then today, before we started recording, um, I saw an Alibaba rumor come out. Alibaba. Uh, uh, and that one just sounds completely unrealistic because not only do they say they bought $20 billion worth of Bitcoin, um, I'm pretty sure Jack Ma is still MIA. Right? Does anyone even know yeah, that's where what he I was going to say. I, I think he may have resurfaced recently. I don't think he's allowed back at Alibaba. If I recall correctly, freaks, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think there was a Jack Ma appearance recently. I forget exactly what it was, but it was like a, hey, Jack Ma, go out on stage, prove you're still alive, and then go back in your hole type of situation but yeah been a week back in new jersey still got my cowboy hat on temporarily back i we gotta rip it at two 
We went live at 2 p.m. 2.15, excuse me. We said we'd be live at 2, 2 p.m., 15 minutes late. I'll take it. I've got a flight uh, out of Philly tonight. Hopefully, 1800 we'll UTC. We're UTC maximalists now. I, I, I'm like way off you. You're a UTC maximalist. I'm still trying to to catch up. What are you on? Like Texas? Are you on Texas time now? I'm in some weird twilight zone. I don't even know where it. I like that's the thing when you travel and with a laptop that's from 2014. Your calendars don't manually update, and so you have to go in and or they don't automatically update. You have to go in and manually update them. So like I got back and I was still in Central Time on my computer. I was all out of whack. Had to like manually re-update them. I had misscheduled some podcasts and all out of whack. And now I'm just about to throw myself way into whack going from Central Time to East Coast to West Coast Time within See, a span of like six days. You can avoid this if you do my method, which is historical times are block height and future times are UTC. And let's just uh, make that the standard. We already made SATs the standard. So now I'm... Uh... I'm on to time conventions. I like that. I like that. I like that distinction that you made in that tweet. Past is block height. I think you say present and past is block height and future right. coordination is UTC time. And speaking of present, where are we right now? According to Clark's dashboard, we are at block height 681,113. The price of Bitcoin is $52,660 according to Clark's dashboard. A crypto watch, it's a bit lower at five. Five two five five two. Sat cuckbuck lula. Sat sats per cuckbuck is <laughs> one thousand nine hundred three. Sats were under a trillion dollar market cap right now, nine hundred eighty two point two bill. Uh, we are nineteen percent away from the all time high. Interesting. Uh, there are. I almost said seventy seven million. That's impossible. Eighteen million six hundred ninety four thousand three hundred sixty six point eight four Bitcoin. That have been distributed to the market. That's 89.02%. We talked about it last week. Uh, there was a hash rate um, shock to the network a couple weeks ago as power plants in uh, a province in China were forced to shut down, which took off a lot of hash rate with it. Uh, but since then, it seems that uh, a bunch of hash rate has come back on the network this time last week. The estimated adjustment uh, was going to be, I believe, like 23% uh, a 23% decrease in difficulty. As of right now, uh, the next retarget is in 295 blocks and is estimated to be on May 1st, 2020. And that is estimated to be a decrease in the difficulty target of 14.2%. Uh, blocks are coming in 11 minutes, 39 seconds on average since the last difficulty adjustment. And uh, yeah, so uh, if you guys listened last week, we talked a lot about the hash rate fall off in China and uh, whether or not the we would see the biggest diff, downward difficulty adjustment uh, in Bitcoin's history. Uh, we called it. But yeah, no, it's not happening. Uh, well, hash, rate, hash rate came back on the network. This is a pretty big adjustment, downward adjustment, but nowhere near the largest. Weren't we around? We were. This is where we guessed it was going to be, right? What is it, like 18% or something? It's 14. We 14. said 18 and 20. Um, but we got the general idea that the that number go down right that it was gonna as as hash came back online especially with fee pressure yeah that was, estimate was gonna pull itself back a little bit yeah it was estimated to be like 25 percent downward adjustment at some point last week so interesting to see interesting case study a bunch of people like this isn't interesting i thought it was pretty interesting you know um so here we have what, it. who do, do people really think it wasn't interesting 
yeah, there was a bunch of people like, oh, this is like no news. Like, yeah, it's not like anything. We didn't have like freaks send us feedback about rabbit hole recap specifically, right? You're talking about like yeah, Twitter and shit. Yeah, there were people on my and um, bent. Yeah, there are people like commenting. Yes, exactly. I wrote a Ben about it. There are people in the, the comments, the replies. Yeah, so I mean, the difficulty adjustment uh, expectation is Saturday. May 1st, um, yes. So that's really soon. Um, historically, weekends have less transaction volume, which means that on Sunday, it's the mempool is going to be really fucking nice. So if if you got caught with your pants down because of this recent fee spike, um, consider reserving a portion of your Sunday morning. You know, pour yourself some nice coffee and do some UTXO management. You know, open some Lightning channels. Maybe use the TFTC stacking Sats node. Um, maybe consider using some CoinJoin um, and and get those dust UTXOs. Any UTXOs that you have that are smaller. Um, you're going to want to consolidate them, but you have to be careful about that because if you consolidate them, obviously uh, you're connecting the two UTXOs if you combine them. And, uh, and, and that hurts your privacy because all of a sudden anyone that's watching the chain, watching those UTXOs knows that those, both those UTXOs belong to the same person. Um, so take care when you do that, but uh, definitely reserve some time on Sunday. It's become like a Sunday tradition for me to like do some manual UTXO management and it's, it's worth keeping in mind, guys, that if you, you can't do it all on one Sunday, because, you know, if, if all of a sudden um, 100 UTXOs, 100 transactions happen that are all like the same heuristic at around the same time, like there's a very good chance that's the same person. So when privacy is, is involved, um, you basically have to, you're like forced to do this UTXO management over a extended period of time otherwise doing it all at once is a heuristic in itself so just be aware great combination cup of coffee and some utxo management it's it's a, it's, it's a great way to send spend a weekend morning you know you're getting caffeinated you're consolidating utxos you're getting confidence and in, in sending bitcoin transactions and, and sending your your utxos to cold storage it's just practice makes perfect repetition is key and like matt said be aware of the heuristics that that you may be drawing attention to. Um, and so I, I really like that tip, Matt. Uh, draw it out over many weekends. There was some point earlier this week where the mempool, like not even on the weekend, hit, like the average fee for the next block was like 10 sats per byte. Is that correct? I mean, I know on Sunday, this past Sunday, it wasn't that bad. It dropped a decent amount. Uh, you know, usually in general... Uh, like UTC, like 8 a.m., right? Like, so like uh, Eastern time, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on like a regular weekday is going to be like your least, uh, is going to be like your least fee pressure, right? Because at that point, it's after the work day. It's like 5 p.m. in Asia. Um, Europe is still asleep and the United States is still asleep. So the transaction demand in general is less than. So there's see like a couple blocks um, in that period um dip down but if you like if you wait a little bit and it becomes you know noon utc 8 30 new york city time or something in the morning shit spikes so fucking quickly especially if there's like any kind of real news like before traditional markets open and stuff it spikes really really fucking quickly um the cool thing about bitcoin transactions on-chain bitcoin transactions is obviously you can send you can preemptively send and just 
hope you snipe it when it falls, right? Like it, it will confirm at a, at a later time. Um, so sometimes, you know, do it the night before and, and just, you know, hope that it drops down. That's an interesting point to make. Like during the week when fee pressure is a bit higher, does it make sense to send low transaction fees and broadcast transactions maybe throughout random hours of different days to, to bunk some heuristics? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I really want. I've been thinking... Um, and I've, I've talked to 6102 about this a lot. Um, it'd be nice if we had, you know, more tools available to us that have basically like a random, um, like a random auto send built into it. Right. And you could, you could imagine um, that the big thing that we were always thinking about was coin join to then cold storage. Um, and that's obviously a major heuristic. If you have a bunch of coin join outputs that all um, get sent at the same time, there's not that many coin join users. That's probably all the same person. So you, it'd be nice if you could just enable a wallet to just at random intervals, send them out. Um, we don't have that yet. I think he has like a little tool that does it. That's written in Python that I haven't tried. Yeah, I was um, gonna say, I but remember it, him building something like that. Right. But it'd be nice to have it like built into wallets. It'd be nice to have it built into maybe some kind of lightning clients where they can open channels for you at random intervals. Um, I was like, brainstorming earlier today like it'd be kind of cool if you had a you know so like the 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 issue in a in a high fee environment if fees go up is that we have all these small inputs and we want to consolidate them but we want to do it in a private way so maybe like some kind of wallet that randomly at random intervals pegs into liquid and then randomly at random intervals shuffles within liquid and then allows you at any point in the future to then swap back out into a larger consolidated transaction. And now the major negative with that would be that no one uses liquid right now. So obviously that's you. So it's like a chicken and egg thing. You need to have the software there, but then you need to have usage go up. Um, you also have like options like, you know, we had Tom Trevithan on from Commerce Block uh, talking about state chains. Um, we had no power on dispatch recently talking about, uh, wasabi 2.0, Wabi Sabi. These are both ideas that are designed to basically allow you to consolidate, um, or one side effect of them is they allow you to consolidate these small inputs, uh, without necessarily absolutely destroying your privacy, but both of them don't have working implementations yet. Right. So, um, it'd be nice to see some of these tools get worked out before, um, Catan dies on his hill and we just have a sustained high fee environment. Catan, good luck dying on that hill. But with that re that broadcasting tool, that random broadcasting tool, what would it just be like a PSBT that you pre-sign and just loads it into this broadcasting tool and it just randomizes it? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be a... And not a PSBT, a partially you just, signed transaction. just sign a transaction, a, you want to broadcast it. Uh, right, it'd be a fully signed transaction and it'd just be waiting there for the software to yeah. randomly send it out, right? This is uh, an instance of a Chunkle Marty got the acronym mi mixed up in his head. I, I think I thought pre-signed Bitcoin <laughs> transaction, but it's partially signed Bitcoin transaction. Had to, had to I mean, it's a little bit confusing, right? Because they're actually, it, they're, there's situations where you have a fully signed, partially signed Bitcoin transaction just because the format is called PSVT. So you're not completely uh, off there for being a little bit uh, confused or tongue-tied. Yes, yes. Be aware, freaks, be aware. This is a good UTXO management talk. Uh, we got to front load this with vulnerabilities, though. Matt was proud of me uh, before we hit record because I have our BDC pay server updated. And this afternoon, they disclosed uh, the, the vulnerabilities that were disclosed to the project by Tesla. And there's a lot. There's a lot. 
I'll go through the list and then Matt will get your thoughts on exactly uh, what's going on here. So uh, the timeline, the vulnerabilities were disclosed on January 19th, or excuse me, uh, March 19th. Um, and then BTC Pay Server, if you guys remember a few weeks ago, on Rabbit Hole Recap, we made you guys aware, like, hey, there's an undisclosed vulnerability on BTC Pay Server. It's probably a good time to upgrade. Well, that the vulnerabilities were announced today, so there was... A bunch of CVEs. One was account takeover where a malicious party could generate an email asking for a password reset to the victim. Uh, that seems like a pretty big one. The victim clicked on a malicious phishing link, then they could basically have somebody take over their BTC Pay server un- unknowingly. Uh, path traversal. It was the, apparently BTC Pay server was not properly validating file names. Uh, stored XSS, XSS vulnerability in the point of sale feature. Uh, there was an insufficient randomness for pay join UTXOs uh, in the legacy API keys that were using weak RNG, uh, a lack of HTTP only uh, cookie we are using for saving preferences of users uh, could be used from JavaScript because it was missing, couldn't be used by JavaScript. So that seems like a pretty minimal one. Uh, lack of secure stored XSS and no rate limit for forget password page. So that's a list of vulnerabilities that were disclosed to the project by the Tesla engineering team. Um, Obviously uh, not ideal, but again, like we said, when Tesla originally came out and, or when BTC pay server came out and announced that Tesla helped them uh, find some vulnerabilities and highlights the amount of attention that is going to be brought to these open source projects by uh, a bunch of companies that are that are getting involved in Bitcoin. And this, while it may seem pretty scary and certainly is scary, uh, is actually a net benefit, in my opinion, because it shows that they're the, inf- the uh, not the infiltry, like the help is coming. The help is on the way. What do you think, Matt? Um, so this vulnerability disclosure came out right before uh, we went live. Um, so I haven't dove in completely. That first one, uh, which you know follows basic logic that they would front load the worst vulnerability on the front, sounds like the worst one, and that one sounds actually pretty bad. Um, seems um, it's great that no funds have been lost. Um, they did announce previously that there was a vulnerability and you should upgrade. We just didn't know what the vulnerability was. Um, so this is their responsible disclosure process. And as Marty said, I mean, this is really the cool aspect, the viral nature. Um, the anti-fragile nature of free open source projects um, that we have large organizations that are going to start to come in and start to use these projects. And ideally they're going to contribute back um, as they do that. Right. And in this case, you know, you had like a top tier engineer that works for Tesla that's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, top tier. And he comes in and he looks over this code and he contributes back. And, and as a result, um, you know, any person or any organization that uses BTC pay going forward is going to have a, a, a better experience. Right. And I, a more secure experience. That's, that's pretty fucking powerful. And I think people don't realize um, the significance of that kind of knock on effect. Yeah. Network effects getting stronger. Engineering talent focused on Bitcoin getting stronger as well. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Again, Matt and I have said it many times on this this podcast, PTC Pay Server is one of the most important 
projects in the space the the ability to uh, spin up a BTC Pay server and be able to access the ability to receive and send Bitcoin in a way that ensures that you actually custody your keys and your UTXOs and have full control over your Bitcoin is an extremely powerful tool to have, powerful open source tool to have specifically. And uh, it's only getting stronger day by day. So, But with that being said, if you're running a BTC Pay server and you have not upgraded to the most recent uh, version, make sure you do so. Well, it's and not I, just the most recent version. It's Yeah, after 1.07.1, I believe. Right, which was probably a couple of weeks ago, right? Or well, March 30th. Yeah, so make sure you're at least at, yeah, 1.07.1. A month ago? March 30th. March 30th, so yeah. Less, one day less than a month ago. 29 days ago. It was a month, Marty. <laughs> I thought there were 31 days in... Uh, in March last month. That's uh, that's how out of whack I've been, Matthew. But I feel like all the months should have the same amount of days. It's kind of ridiculous that they have different days. You can't control like how the Earth rotates around the sun, you know. I mean, you can't control you can't control how many days are in a year, but we could normalize the amount of days per month. You'd have to have like half days though. We could do every month could have the same exact amount of days. We could do thirty days per month. Period. And then December could just have like 34 days or something. Yeah, well, that's, and you don't have the same amount of days per month. So December. I know, but that'd be way easier to conceptualize, right? Like, I don't know what people are thinking. We should just completely revamp the calendar. I agree. What do flat, <laughs> ath- flat athers, flat earthers think? Like, does the sun, is it the center of the universe still? Does the flat earth revolve around the sun? Where does the sun go around? Is, like a, is it a heliocentric? Partis BTC pins has a better point than your point that he thinks that we should have five months, 73 days per month. I could get down with that. You just like a month is a season, essentially. What, why not four? Why don't we just do four months? Just combine the quarters into one large month, a quarter. You just have seasons as months. I like that. You just have four months. You have spring, summer, fall, <laughs> and winter. That's what we. <laughs> That's what we, we have four them. months and a single time zone, UTC. <laughs> hey, anything can happen. They could change the calendar many times in the past. There's no reason why we can't do it. Dream big, freaks. Dream Let's go. big. Uh, JP Morgan bends the knee. <laughs> I think That's they were literally shitting on Bitcoin the day before they announced this. I think they literally bent the knee. Like I yeah. think JP Morgan Associates well, all around the world bent the too. knee. So they're letting uh, clients, and I think high net worth clients particularly, invest in Bitcoin fund for the first time. It's an actively traded uh, Bitcoin fund. So they're going to be trading both sides of the market, it looks like, and they're going to be searching for that 2 and 20 or whatever their expense and management fees are. Um, where the rich clients could just hold Bitcoin self-custody and, and reap the benefits of a 200% uh, compounded annual growth rate that Bitcoin has, has shown for the first 12 years of its existence. Um, outside of just a bending of the knee, is there anything significant in this story that piques your interest, Matthew? No, I mean, really, uh, first of all, this is only for their uber-wealthy clients. Um, you know, and I'm fine with the uber wealthy, you know, taking a little bit more time and not realizing, you know, what's happening with Bitcoin and let the plebs uh, stack more. So I'm not in, I'm not in too much of a rush there. Um, 
And uh, for those uber wealthy, as you said, like they should probably look into actually buying Bitcoin instead of um, paying fees and not even owning their own Bitcoin. They're just going to own IOUs. Um, but all that said, obviously, it's a major reputation thing. And uh, once again, we've had one of these major Bitcoin haters come and uh, bend the knee and capitulate, and they're all going to start capitulating. And what's really interesting with the private wealth um, in specifically is, Marty, I'm hearing a little bit of echo, by the way. Oh, you are? I've got your your thing turned down all the way in my ears. I'm not is hearing that. The, the, with the private wealth, like they're going to demand, they're going to go to all of these guys and demand, like, what's your Bitcoin strategy? How do I get exposure to Bitcoin? And if they don't have it, these guys are going to move to someone who can support it. And uh, they really have no choice. Ultimately, they have no choice. They either have to adapt or die. First, before I go on, any echo still? Um, let me test by saying, uh, obviously, the reason that we were due five months is because 365 is divided by five cleanly and four doesn't work. You got one off. You got one extra day in one of the Marty proposal. I don't hear an echo one now, I don't think. Freaks, do you hear an echo on your end? Let us know in the chat and let's continue. I've got the chat open, by the way. Yeah, can't divide 365 by four. But yeah, you get nine one, you get 91 days per quarter and then maybe the winter quarter has 95 is that so bad freaks can we agree on that five months just it fucks up the four season cyclicity 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 there we go i was missing an eye um yeah i'm i'm a four month four months out of the year maximalist now I think this is just a very important topic that Bitcoiners around the world should debate endlessly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We got to save the sun too. We're going to do it this year. No more. We we're not turning. We're not turning the clocks back this fall. But that goes with the UTC plan. You know, it's just a single time zone. Yes. When we get to the third month of this year, we're not setting the clocks back. We're saving the sun this year. Tesla CF, CFO. Well, he's not the CFO. He's master of the coin, Matthew. You're, you're, your description of the Tesla master of the coin in, in the show list is, is wrong. Note it. Technically he has both. He has both roles. Yes. So what did you think? So long story short, Tesla had an earnings call this week and it became apparent that Tesla liquidated some of its Bitcoin, but 10% of its overall holdings, correct? Of what it purchased. They have two and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin and people wanted to pretend it's fucking bearish. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> right. What world does an S&P 500 company have two and a half billion dollars worth of Bitcoin and has their CFO be referred to as master of coin on the Q1's earnings call? And he's just, he sounded like, I started dispatch out with it. Um, you know, shout out No Bullshit Bitcoin for clipping out the fucking part of the, the, the relevant part of, of the earnings call. But like that, that clip, have you listened to that clip? It is the most bullish fucking clip ever. They believe in Bitcoin. They wanted to test its liquidity. They needed to prove its liquidity. That's, that was like what was interesting to most people. It was like, is that like a cop out because you just wanted to lock in some profits? Well, first yeah. of all, it's the first time they've ever made a profit. They made more right. profit off of Bitcoin than they've ever made on cars. Um, I think... They're not proving liquidity to us. They're not proving liquidity to 
to, to Elon or the master of coin, those guys know that they were able to sell. They were proving it to all the hater shareholders that are, that are Bitcoin deniers, right? That think like people don't realize that the average person's like, does uh, the average person doesn't think we can easily sell Bitcoin. And they're talking about $5,000, right? When they're like talking to us, they're like, if I buy Bitcoin, can I sell it? But in this case, it was $200 million and they fucking sold it. And the market had no idea because it's super liquid. Right. Um, so I, I, I do believe them when they say it was to prove liquidity, but it's not to prove liquidity in like a technical sense. Like obviously Bitcoin liquidity indicators showed that they could easily sell 200 million. It's to prove to the haters that, look, you know, we took profit and that profit happened to be more profit than we ever had in the history of the company. And we did it easily. And, and, and now you know that this is not just like a black hole on our balance sheet that we can never get out. It's not an illiquid portion of our balance sheet. It's, it's, it's properly liquid. Yeah, it's like, here, haters, watch. We're just going to market, sell 200 million. There's going to be no problems. The market's not even going to notice. And a lot of people are trying to attribute that to... That's, uh, there's a lot of dumb people out there. A lot of people are like, oh, that was the price moving on Sunday. It's like, no. Like, they, they made this, this sale weeks ago to months ago potentially and they're now just announcing it people like to take these headlines and attribute it to uh, immediate price movements or price movements in the present or very close to the present and it's like yeah that's not the case extremes drive engagement whether that's overly bullish or overly bearish they always drive engagement so just be aware you know in our click-based society like you're going to, every headline is going to be the extreme. And you just have to keep that in mind. I've been very proud of myself over the last couple of weeks. As I see you hop on Twitter, I saw it yesterday. You're like making fun of everybody hopping on the Facebook rumor. I haven't been following. I haven't been, I haven't been like hype tweeting about any of this stuff. I did tweet about the next topic, which is the public video game publisher Nexon buying uh, 1,717 Bitcoin, but it was just to make a joke. Like, what is this? A cash allocation for, for ants? They, they allocated 2% of their cash and cash equivalents balance to Bitcoin. Um, and these guys are based out of Korea or Japan? Marty, they allocated $100 million to Bitcoin, okay? 2%. They have okay. two... They I mean, have they like... have significantly, significantly more Bitcoin than me. And I've been obsessed with this for fucking years. So props to them. And I think I think they did it based on. Did you see how many Bitcoin they bought? Seventeen, seventeen. That it, that can't be a coincidence, right? Like some guy so. was. We all pick numbers, you know. Fucking American Hoddle picked six point one five. Like they were like, we're gonna do seventeen, seventeen. It's my lucky number. <laughs> I'm just gonna fucking buy seventeen, seventeen. But I think the fact that it's an allocation for ants is the bullish part. Right. Because it's there's plenty of room to grow there. They're just starting. This is this is this is a testing the waters type of allocation. Um, I've never heard of them before. I'm not going to pretend like this is a company I've heard of before, but I never heard of MicroStrategy when they started dipping their toes. Um, and this is a publicly traded company with a shit ton of cash on hand. Um, so it's a big deal. Right. Yeah. Uh, this would be the square model of allocation. That's what Square said they bought. I believe it was the same thing. Two percent. Of their cash, cash equivalents. Square bought like fifty million at the time, right? Yeah. But it's gone up like five x. Yeah, and and they Square announced that they're going to be DCAing in over time, um, which is what you love to see. But yeah, exactly. I was right. It's South Korean and Japanese Nexon 
Uh, you were right. Also- you said which you asked which one it was. You, you were right. You don't get and the right question that. is both. Yeah. So <laughs> both A, B, or C. And C was right. Uh, another interesting tidbit about these guys. These guys bought Bitstamp, didn't they? That's something that's like underscored. They own Bitstamp, or at least a portion of it. And they're wait, really? Yeah. Apparently, they own part of Bitstamp. They're bidding for. Are you uh, sure it's not Bit Thumb? Well, they're they're also trying to get exposure to Bitthumb too, and, and they already have exposure to another exchange, from what I understand as well. I mean, Bitcoin and quote unquote cryptocurrency is fucking booming in 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 South Korea. So yeah, what do they call it? The Kimchi um, Premium. Well, that that's because their banking regulation fucking sucks. So you can't arbitrage. You can't use their exchanges unless you're a South Korean. Um, Unless you're South Korean. So like the only way to arbitrage is like you have to bring like briefcases of cash uh, across the border and then have a South Korean trade it for you. Or yeah, I've actually talked to a person. I'm going to try and disclose as little details as possible. American. That's yeah, probably too many details already. Basically, like there's there's people that arbitrage. Yeah. I said it the opposite way. You have to sneak Bitcoin into the country. Then you sell the Bitcoin and you have to sneak the cash out. That's how you arbitrage the premium, obviously. But South Korean citizens are still paying a premium as opposed to what we're paying, correct? Right. Yeah. Because it's so hard to do that arbitrage trade. It's so hard. It's so hard to move uh, fiat out of the country that they have a premium. It has nothing to do with demand. I mean, demand has uh, obviously demand has some some degree. It's not nothing, but but it's because their banking system sucks. It's constrained liquidity. Yeah. At the end of the day, right? Right. Because they only have liquidity within their own borders, where most people have access to. They're isolated. They're a separated market. They're a bifurcated market. Yes. Any South Korean freaks out there? We love you. Shout out to uh, Nexon putting Bitcoin on the balance sheet. And yeah, there's individuals putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet too. Chiefs tight end, Culkin, Sean Culkin, to convert his entire NFL salary into Bitcoin. And I was surprised he's a veteran. He's only making, eh, I'm not going to, you know what? That would be uncouth of me to say he's only making $970,000. <laughs> he's making a million dollars a year. Well, I feel, you know, dude could be doing so much better. <laughs> I hope one day I'm making a million dollars a year. Uh I mean, he's five years tight end. We, I mean, if you follow football, there's a big drop off in tight ends. Um, but yeah, you know, this is uh, our boy Russell Okun started this trend. He's making significantly more money than Colkin. But I love you, Russ. Conviction wise, Russ is only converting a half of his salary to Bitcoin. Colkin is going full full hog. He's 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 pledged to convert the whole thing. Through strike, um, their strike is going to do uh, every twice a week. They're going to be doing uh, conversions from dollars to Bitcoin for him. Um, yeah, that's baller. Very I love baller. this trend. I love this trend. I want. Yeah, I, I love. I love the ideas. The idea of like the athletes leading the way here, uh, because as far as rich people go, our athletes are the most. Like they're the most real people out of rich people, right? They're like they're, they're like the plebs of the rich people. And I feel like they get just nickel and dimed by every financial advisor. They get fucked over and over again, regardless of sport. It doesn't matter what sport you're in. 
and and to see them move over to Bitcoin is just a is just beautiful. It's massive. There's a there's a great thirty for thirty on that particular topic as well. The athletes just getting taken to the woodshed in terms of asset management. There's a lot of grifters and snake oil salesmen that that attach themselves to athletes and, and bleed their their assets dry throughout the course of their career. And that's one thing you have to notice about athletes as well is their careers are not that long, especially in the NFL. Um, any league really like if you make it to the pros the, the, the amount of individuals who actually extend their careers beyond a decade is very small uh, being from Philadelphia I mean it's Allen Iverson story is the most popular like he he was a terrible manager of money would literally not pack when they would travel to play away games and he would just buy clothes every time they showed flex. up in a new city and he the actually did have a good asset manager it was like saw that Allen was terribly waste was wasting money terribly and was like, all right, we're gonna take this forty million dollar Reebok check and we're gonna put it in an account that you can't touch until you're like forty-five. Um power to him for signing that, you know, and just realizing he's like, fuck, I suck at money too. Um <laughs> Russell. I think he's doing really well in Asia now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean him, well, Stefan Marbury is like the king of China. Right. But Al- Alan Iverson, I think, is like a sub sub He's doing the same strategy, right? But on a on a lower scale. I'm not sure. It's like, uh, like watching Sixers games. I'm sorry that I still watch the NBA. Like the Sixers, just have like a special place in my heart. But like he's got on these like sports betting commercials. It's like Alan, come on, bro. You know then you know he really needs it. Yeah. Like, the uh, real win, the real win when you're when you're an athlete is if you get that nice lucrative commentator contract afterwards. Like, oh yeah. Tony Romo's making more money than he's ever made in the NFL. Did you see what happened to Paul Pierce? <laughs> No, I missed that. So Paul Pierce is, is he carved out a good uh, commentating career for himself at ESPN. And uh, a few weeks ago, he went on like an Instagram live with a bunch of strippers and he was like smoking bugs uh, and stuff. And they like axed him immediately. It was a shame to see. It was hilarious. That's, you know, you get like, canceled very easily in the society. Um, especially for a Disney company. Oh, before we move on to the next topic, Russell Kung, if you're listening, the freaks are calling you a bear in the comments. <laughs> I think you should just know that. We love you, Russ, even if you're a bear. Um, and then shout out, shout out to Sovereign Hodler who um, confirmed what Marty said. Um, Nexon's uh, subsidiary did buy Bitstamp pretty much wholly. They they own eighty percent of Bitstamp now. Um, with uh, I don't know how to pronounce his Kodrick. first name, but Kodrick, uh, the co-founder, uh, still controls ten percent of the company. Um, and he was going to act. He's going to act as the chief executive still. So he's still running the company, but he only has ten percent of the company. And then I guess like there's a smattering of people who own the remaining 10%. So that yeah. is interesting. I didn't realize that. Bitstamp is, is one of the OGs. OGs. They were operating when Mt. Gox was still operating. So, Yeah. And another, was it Bitfinex or Bitstamps token or Bitcoin that were hacked that were moving earlier this week? Do we have that no, on the Bitfinex. list? Bitfinex. Bitstamp also got hacked. But at that point, Pantera Capital was yeah, that's one what of the happened. lead investors, um, VC firm. And that was like, that was when Bitcoin had finally grown up. It was like Mt. Gox got hacked. Everyone lost their money. When Bitstamp got hacked, they just moved everything to cloud servers, rewrote it all from scratch, and then Pantera just paid everyone out. They were just like, we'll take the hit. Um, it was significantly less money for what it's worth, but it was like it was like Bitcoin had reached a new professionalism, right? And that was in like 2015 or 2016, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was still pretty early on, but I don't think it was that much money. 
Yeah, Bitfinex was 116,000 Bitcoin. Oh, Portnoy hired Paul after? Did you know this? Hired who after? Um, oh, Paul after, Pierce. Yeah, after Paul after Paul Pierce had the Instagram Live thing, Portnoy hired him. I I saw that Dave tweeted at him and said, hey, hit me up. I didn't know they officially hired him. There you go. Pickup. It might have been the best thing that could have happened to him. Right. They got Deion Sanders, and Deion's doing really good things on the NFL front. Even though not, he's like a head coach of a football team now too, a college team, but they're, from what I understand, their their NFL show with Dion did really well this year. Um, we don't so have that on the list. Portnoy bought a coin. <laughs> Dave, find your treasure, Dave. Should I just like say what happened? Yeah, we already said what happened. But I want I want I want the freaks to know. Reiterate, reiterate. You said it on air though. In the he's going to blast me. I helped him set up a treasure. It didn't. It was like, hey, here's how you set it up. Here's how you get your private public key pair. Here's how you send Bitcoin to it. And I specifically, vividly remembering, making sure, like watching him from afar write down a seed phrase and telling him, give this to your dad and tell your dad to put it in a vault. Your dad's a lawyer. You should be able to protect this. And if Dave didn't listen to me, thank you for inflating the rest of the, the Bitcoin price. I mean... It is what it is. Dave's done fantastic on Penn. I don't think he's really hurting from his missing $50,000. Um, what really hurts him is that the longer he waits to really go whole hog into Bitcoin, um, not just that one Bitcoin for him, that one Bitcoin. For a lot of people, that's life-changing money. For him, it's not. Um, that's a bullshit cop-out, though, that he said. He's like, I can only afford one Bitcoin, so I bought it. Like The dude's like fucking fucking around day trading like millions of dollars. Um, you're telling me he can't, you know, dollar cost average into Bitcoin at, you know, $20,000 a week or something like, come on, Dave, sack the fuck up. Yeah. Well, how much is Dave disclosing? Who knows? Well, the thing is he's, he's, he's actively leading retail into horrible investment strategies. It would be nice if he was going to flex, if he just flexed with, you know, very large dollar cost averaging. See, <laughs> Bitcoin. I agree. I agree. The Barso also launched an NFT this week. Like, there's some shit coinery going on. But Dave was also he was very like upfront about like we're launching this NFT. I don't know how much I believe in it, but we're gonna see where it goes. He's sponsored by Blockfolio, which yeah. is FTX. Like, what do you expect? Like, it's gonna be shitcoin central. They've been fucking pumping Doge yeah. like crazy. And freak, stop asking me how much Bitcoin Dave moved to his treasure. Like that's a very personal question, and one man never discloses another man's sat stack. It's very disrespectful. It's dishonorable. Don't even ask I think the Dave, question. Dave disclosed that anyway, though. Did he? Yeah. I mean, it was a while ago, but he did. Okay. And I just did it accidentally, so. I, I think. It. I'm pretty sure. No comment. Information. No comment. No comment. No comment. Anyway, it's negligible amount of his net worth, and he should just fucking own it and just move on. It doesn't matter. We all lost shit. I agree. The I reason, agree. one of the reasons, one of the reasons like OG shitcoins like Doge pump is because people lose their wallets over time. So like it's worthless and they just forget about it. So the, the supply of, of a shitcoin like Doge ends up being significantly less five years down the line because so many people lost their wallets and it's just an immeasurable thing that you can't measure. Um, it just comes with the territory. Any, any, anybody who tells me that they haven't lost any coin, um, 
I just feel like I, I, I maybe if they're a new corner, but if they're if they're older, like coin gets lost all the time. You just you own it. You gotta own it, and you can't dwell on it either. You can't dwell on it on on the coins lost or spent in the past. That'll that'll eat away at your psyche and your mental health. Just accept it and move on. Apparently, Freak Zaya Zaza wants everyone to know that he owns over a thousand Bitcoin. Um, in the chat, so just keep that in mind. He says, "Alas, I do not. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want people coming after Zaya Zaza, Ja Jaya Zaza, Jaya Zaza. I think that's right." <laughs> Uh, before we get on to this topic, I do need to apologize. I could have had better wording in the RHR announcement tweet last week. In it, I said, Turkey hates freedom. Which obviously isn't true. It's all my Turkish freaks out there. I love you. And that, that part of the announcement of RHR last week, Turkey hates freedom, makes it seem like Turkish people hate freedom. What I should have said is the Turkish government hates freedom. Dude, I think you called the false flag. Really? Do you see what they're doing? They're they're proposing so they had the second exchange go down. Yep. Since last RHR they're proposing they're the central bank controls everything, right? Yeah, they want the central bank to hold everyone's bitcoin. Yeah, false flag called it. It's like it it fits perfectly. Yeah. This is a 6102 attack. Yeah, is this how they're going to do it? For your own protection, all these exchange operators are running away with your Bitcoin. We need to monitor and custody it for you. We're going to bring legitimacy to the industry. Uh, God, Matthew. I got I got my Bloomberg page views limit of this month hit already, so I can't read the article. Uh, did I not put the archive? They're really dicks about it. They are. Anyway, you don't have to read. I, I probably didn't put the archive because it, the article doesn't really matter, but it's important to post sources. Yeah. They're just, they're, they're, they, that is the article. They, they're proposing a central bank custodian to protect people for their own protection. Yeah. And, and mind you, this is a central bank that's completely mishandled the lira. Individuals in Turkey are escaping to Bitcoin because their local currency is inflating at a, at a quick pace. And they need uh, an inflation hedge to make sure that they can maintain purchasing power and hopefully increase purchasing power over time. And I believe also this week is probably Streisand effect of the Turkish government doing this is across the whole globe, I believe, if I remember correctly. Searches for Bitcoin on Google in Turkey. Uh, that's, that's where it's like at an all-time high in Turkey. Number like go the, up. It's like the most popular. I think Turkey and Nigeria. Nigeria is a hot Bitcoin scene, man. Hot Bitcoin scene. There's a lot of like, don't sleep on Nigeria and its impact on Bitcoin. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's another area where it's like number one Google search for Bitcoin um, when you factor in population. Yeah, no, I'm bullish on Nigeria and the Nigerians. Uh, I, I just, I, I mean... I just wanted to mention that, you know, Chad Saylor had a pretty funny uh, pun about the Turkish lira because their their currency code is try, T-R-Y. So he had some kind of like, if you fail at your currency, try, try again or something like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly <laughs> what it was, but it was pretty funny. Michael. He updated strategy.com, his meme warfare website. I didn't realize he had a meme warfare website. 
strategy.com is is where I got those little clip outs that I would always post under Peter shifts that show like gold down and performance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, it's literally designed to just be easy to copy and paste the PNG into a social media troll. It's, like, it's, it's a troll site. That's a hundred percent what it is. Um, but he updated it. Now it has even more features to it. So check yeah. that out. Michael, if you're listening, the invite to TFTC is still open. I don't know what, I don't know what happened there, Matthew. I don't know, Marty. If you fail, try, try again. It's true. I think it may be. Hand up. Outside of a tweet sent by Matt Walsh from Castle Island Ventures in that post on fool.com that he sent, I think I was the first person in the Bitcoin space to cover the microstrategy news of them adding Bitcoin to their balance sheet. However, in the bent issue last August that I wrote, I basically came out and was like, I've never heard of MicroStrategy. Like, I don't know if it's a legit company and may have like connotated that it wasn't a legit company. And I'm sorry about that. Well, if I recall correctly, I was a bit of a hater. And then like, you were like, no, don't be a hater about it. Cause I was like, no one knows this company. I was like, it's just bullshit, fake news. Yeah. Whatever, you know, we've been in Bitcoin for a while. We're skeptics, you know, we're trying to keep the signal high on our chart. It's, it's what happens. It's what we have to do. At least we admitted we're wrong. Yeah, you know that's all. That's all you can do. You need to admit when you're wrong. I was MicroStrategy wrong. is going to be like the second most valuable company in the world in ten years behind EOS. Oh my <laughs> god! EOS still has like 150,000 Bitcoin. And Let's talk about that. Block tragedy. one or whatever. Could you imagine block one is going to be like? Shaking my head. What are you going to do? What can we do? Nothing. Free market. It is what it is. That's right. Any of you EOS stands out there who may be listening to this, they literally, number one, I'm trying to like, can I legally get gone after for like slander? So I think when EOS have you just, cared about that? I think it was like a large money laundering scheme. Like the way you look at like the, the ICO and you already said that how it was tiered out huge money laundering scheme. And the fact that they just cycled everything and like a hundred thousand Bitcoin, correct? 150. I, I'm, I believe Block One has 150,000 Bitcoin. Yeah, and you had some creepers like Block Pierce, Block Pierce, Brock Pierce, and a bunch of other shady characters from the early days of Ethereum in the EOS raise. And the way Dan was Larimer, yeah, Brendan had like Bloomer. a had like a very money laundering vibe to it. Like the way it was tiered, you could you could rewash like ETH into like next tiers. It was very interesting. They're going to be our overlords. Am I going to get sent to the gulag in the future because Block One doesn't like that I'm spreading? This Look, theory. I don't. I don't think in a post-Bitcoin world they're going to run the world, but I do think they're going to be Block One is going to be one of the most valuable companies, and it's just a shame it is, but it is what it is. It's, uh, it's... Should we have started a shitcoin scam? No. Is it worth it? Maybe, <laughs> but I I have no regrets. Yes. It's hard, it's hard to morally, you know, could my morals be bought out for 150,000 Bitcoin or like a fraction of that? Yeah. You no, know? never. Never, never give it. Never, yeah. Okay. Well, you're full of shit. If someone gave you 20,000 Bitcoin, you know, I'm sorry, freaks. It was a good run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going Bye. to my island. You don't hear from any of them, right? Brock, Brendan, fucking Larimer. They're all like fucking off in the wind. Right. 
Brock ran for president. I don't know how well he did. I don't know how many votes he got, but. Okay, let's get back to Bitcoin. Fuck them. What's going on with Bitcoin Fog? I never even heard of Bitcoin Fog. Bitcoin Fog was like the OG mixing service. I never heard of it. It was like one of the, it was the most, it was like one of the most used original ones. Um, And yet to be clear, this is a custodial mixing service. So you literally send Bitcoin to them and they send you someone else's Bitcoin. And for whatever it's worth, there's already precedent set. um, There's already precedent set that the U S government and other Western governments consider this an illegal organization like this idea of having a custodial mixer it's the same idea with like a bitmex uh not having kyc um where you have custodial wallets and you um aren't complying with kyc aml regulations you're going to get hit with these money laundering uh allegations prosecutions whatnot so they arrested this guy um this is different than CoinJoin. it's important to keep that in mind CoinJoin is a non-custodial, it's a batch Bitcoin transaction. It's just a, it's simply a batch Bitcoin transaction that takes privacy best practices into account, completely non-custodial. This is a custodial mixing service. What's really interesting here, and I linked to um, the lead dev of formerly my Ether wallet, and then she branched off. They got into an argument. Forget what her new wallet is called. My crypto, um, or just crypto.com, right? No, no, no. Crypto.com is different. It's my crypto, I think. Um, but anyway, it's Tavano on Twitter. Uh, she's like one of my favorite shit corners. Uh, you know, like she's got a good head on her shoulders. And she was talking about this case. And what's really interesting is it seems like they're using the databases they have from BTCE and Mt. Gox. Uh, and they're like going through behind after the fact. And they're IP logs. They have IP logs, they have usernames, they have KYC stuff, they have bank information, they have email addresses, and they're going back after the fact and they're using a combination of the Bitcoin blockchain plus these databases plus whatever else they fucking have and they're going after people. And she noticed a similarity with this and remember that like Mt. Gox hacker that like had to give back like millions of dollars of Bitcoin um, a couple months ago. Uh, so it's interesting. It seems like they have active that they're working on active cases based on those databases, and 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 the, it's it's questionable whether or not that's legal by U.S. law. That whether or not the IRS and HSI can do this. Well, the IRS can do whatever the fuck they want if you don't pay taxes, but like the FBI and stuff, whoever arrested them. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm glancing away to see if you've had this on the list, but. There was another IRS story. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think you do have it on the list. Let me just. Well, this guy get, didn't get hit by the. The primary thing was the FBI. Yeah, but she mentions the IRS in the, the thread, and that's why Taylor does. That's why I've got it on top of my mind now. Did you see the Vice article that came out about the IRS looking for people to help them hack into hardware wallets so they can force individuals they're auditing to give up? No. When did that come out? I think today. Um, let me find it real quick. You you. You riff a little bit. I'll find it. No, I mean, I look. I the uh, the one one aspect that people should keep in mind with these custodial mixing services is that they have hit uh, the operators of them in the past, but they have not hit the users at least. Uh, so that is something that we can keep in mind um, as like a 
some kind of positive. These these services were the main way that people tried to use Bitcoin more privately before we had the CoinJoin implementations. Um, they were heavily used, um, and you know, it's it's very comparable to something like Bitmax, right? Where Bitmax got hit hard, the founders got pressured um, for not having KYC, but the actual users haven't been hit yet. If they will be hit, it's yet to be seen, but they haven't gone after specific users um, for breaking the law, right? They, they go after the operator and it's the same, it's the same concept with the custodial mixers. And it's the same concern I have over custodial wallets in general. And this is why we don't see many custodial wallets. And it's unfortunate because really um, the market would be very well served if we had like a proper free competitive market of custodial non-KYC wallets um, that are interoperable with each other, especially on Lightning. And it's just hype. It's super risky to try and run one of those services because as you can see for something like BitMEX, you can't hide. You can't, if you get too big, you know, you can't, it doesn't matter if you're in the Seychelles, you know, it doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. The Seychelles did not keep Arthur safe from the long dick of the law. I uh, found the, uh, the vice story on motherboard dropped at 10.25 a.m. this morning. The IRS wants help hacking cryptocurrency hardware wallets. As more investors and criminals move to hardware wallets to secure their funds, the IRS is looking for new methods to access those wallets in criminal investigations. And this is according to a document posted on the agency website in March of this year. So this may be... Um... Oh, God damn, I just downloaded a file from the irs website <laughs> i hope you have your vpn on um i uh i love that first line as more investors and criminals move to hardware wallets yeah what a line man criminal investigations is an audit a criminal investigation or are you assumed a criminal if they're auditing you look i'm not no we don't presume guilt in this country i but i i i think um It'd be naive to think that governments around the world aren't working on trying to compromise self-sovereign Bitcoin solutions. But at the same time, let's be honest, um, it's about low-hanging fruit for the most part. And there, there's there's so much low-hanging fruit. And they're, you know, the 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 number one thing you can do is is take self-custody because there's so many people that just don't take self-custody and those people you know you don't need like a you don't need a hacking team to fucking get into that yeah i mean this makes the case for multi-sig set up with different hardware providers geographically dispersed yeah i mean i i'm 6102 loves this idea this uh multi-jurisdictional global multi-sig yeah, it's a similar concept to, I guess, what the Liquid Sidechain Federation is trying to accomplish with their federation being geographically Correct. distributed. But they're doing it for a whole chain rather than just a single wallet. Yeah. Um, so beware, freaks. The IRS is looking into hacking hardware wallets. That's a, that's a headline I didn't think I'd see this year, but it shouldn't be surprising. <laughs> shouldn't be surprising at all. I added that to the list, so we can add it to the show notes. DC cops hit with ransomware, which threatens informants. This is a pretty big. And then, okay, yeah, you do have it in here, the, the Global Ransomware Task Force, which I think is just hilarious. 
So DC DC police got hit with ransomware for fifty million dollars, um, two hundred and fifty gigs of personal information, yeah, and that includes informants. If you've been snitching, these ransomware criminals are about to about to snitch on you. So, well, the way I put the the reason I put this in here is because, like, you don't KYC your informants. You know, like this, this is, this right. is, this is the end result of every KYC database that exists is that it's going to be compromised at some point. And in this case, they did it with their most sensitive fucking contractors, which are their informants. And, and now they're sitting there and, and they're going to have to handle this, right? They're going to have to see what this is. This is probably... You know, I, I feel like this escalated the ransomware war a little bit, and it does go hand in hand with this ransomware task force. It's really interesting to me because ransomware is this idea that you take their data and usually what you do is you encrypt it and you say, if you want that data back, if you don't want to deal with starting from scratch or even for some major organizations, restoring from backups. But but if, if you're like a hospital and you're restoring from offsite backups, your computers could be down for days while you're restoring. So, so that's going to cost you significant money anyway. So usually what these ransomware guys do is they, they give you a reasonable amount of money and it scales based on your business. If it's a small business, they might say, give me $3,500. And they're very good. Usually when you pay them, whether that's in, historically that's been in Bitcoin, but recently it's been moving to Monero. When you pay them, they will give you back your keys and they're very good about it. It's a reputation game because they want you to pay. So they'll tell you like the last 40 people we ransomed, they're like I've all gotten their keys back and these are their great reviews, you know, like they'll yeah. fucking- We've got there's referrals. Like this, yeah, there's like this whole reputation game about it. This escalated it because it's more than just, you know, we have your data and it's under a lock and key. And if you want the key, you're going to take it. This is- you know, if, if you don't pay us, we're going to start leaking your data, right? Which is, it's a step above that. What's really interesting about this ransomware task force is they're not really, they don't have make no mention of really the issue, which is the vulnerable systems in the first place. The issue isn't that they get compromised and then like we have a currency that's actually good money and you can pay a ransom with it. Right, like good money, you should be able to pay a ransom with it. The issue is that the system is vulnerable in the first place. That's what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing on hardening our systems. Well, so the link about the ransomware task force that you shared links to Krebs on security. And I don't know if you saw the segment he had, Krebs did, on Bill Maher a couple of weeks ago. Did you see that by chance? No. He's staging an attack on Bitcoin, like using ransomware as the vector. So he's basically saying that Bitcoin is bad because it enables ransomware instead of the the logic that you just laid out, which is ransomware is possible because our systems are terribly insecure and ransomware criminals are simply leveraging uh, Bitcoin's P2P nature to make sure that they can get paid out. It's not a, a Bitcoin problem. It's an insecure systems problem. And so this is interesting that that they didn't get to the crux of what's actually the problem is on krebs on security he's got like a major and he was one of trump's advisors he's trying to get back in the biden administration um to push this particular narrative cryptocurrencies are bad because they enable 
ransomware. I, I, I suggest you freaks go look look up the Bill Maher segment he had either a few weeks ago or a month ago. It was really scary to see him come out and, and talk that way about Bitcoin specifically. That's interesting. I didn't realize that. I actually, I respect a lot of his work that he does in terms of, you know, write-ups and whatnot. No, I do. I, do, I agree. And I, yeah, I was extremely disheartened uh, to catch that clip. I forget where I saw it exactly, but I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? But yeah, I mean, that that's like, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, you shouldn't harden your systems. Like, it's not, you know, if, if someone kidnaps you and asks for U.S. dollars, the issue isn't the U.S. dollars in the duffel bag. The the issue is that you allowed the person to get kidnapped in the first place. And you got you to gotta make sure that that doesn't happen. Exactly. And on this note, I saw a really good KYC tweet today that I wanted to uh, share on air. Uh, Paul Graham tweeted out, what do you suppose is the ratio of trouble caused for the innocent to trouble caused for the guilty by KYC regulations, 100,000 to one, a million to one. And then uh, Joe Colangelo, who's the CEO of Boxcar Transit, he came out and he had a really good quote tweet of Paul Graham's tweet, which was, KYC is what we call self-licking ice cream cone in the Navy, which is to say it serves no purpose other than to sustain itself. If a company instead of a government had created AML KYC, They'd have killed it after seeing it hurts innocent and, and is bypassed by criminals. I just thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, K- KYC doesn't work and it's fucking dangerous. So, yeah. The, uh, the ice cream cone analogy is going self licking ice cream cone. And that's another thing, like, too, if this was implemented by private industry, they probably would have dropped it right away because it would have gotten feedback from their users and feedback from live data and acted on that feedback yet the government is unable to do that because they really don't care about your privacy or your protection at the end of the day they care about control over you freaks they want to control over you matt obligatory are we even fucking free no (laughs) we're not i mean thank you marty i think i i think it's important to realize though that credit card fraud is so rampant and it's a pull system um so without kyc that whole system falls apart, especially online. And it's just because it's broke. Like it's a broken system every way you look at it, you know, but in Bitcoin land, you don't need that because it's a push system. So you don't have that element of fraud there. Um, ironically or not, I mean, you see stronger KYC on the Bitcoin side because you have the combination of the potential fraud on the traditional finance side going into something that can't be reversed while on the traditional finance side, you can reverse this shit after the fact. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's very much a attempt to bandaid a problem over on the traditional finance side, mixed in with the fact that it does obviously give regulators and the powers that be more control as well. Yeah. Uh, still thinking about that ransomware attacker who's thinking about leaking that data. It's like fucked up. Very fucked up. Bisk wants to launch a new trading protocol. I mean, we mentioned this last week. I think we we shared a thread from mempool.space, which is run by Wiz, who's working on Bisk as well, talking about how fees go up and it sort of prices out people. Coin joining and using these uh, P2P exchanges like BISC. And so BISC is trying to front run this potential fee pressure problem. And they're exploring ways to create uh, different coordination 
tactics on the bisque exchange one of which would be using the lightning network and what what's the deal with the tainted bisque tokens bsq tokens how would they implement that they're not tainted they're like colored coins but it, no but it says it in the in the release notes off-chain trading using a lightning network of btc and tainted bsq okay i mean i guess tainted is like uh it's just a weird word to use for it um my understanding is that they're exploring liquid. There's, there's a very, this is a very controversial topic right now. Um, it's a very hot topic. I do have Wiz, which is one of the project leads over at uh, BISC. He's going to come on dispatch on Tuesday and we're going to discuss wow. this more at length. Um, but this is going to be an argument that is going to, um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to get bigger and bigger. This is not a debate that's just going to end on this RHR, just something that we're mentioning in passing and then they're going to change. And part of the reason is, is because 80% of the volume right now on BISC um, is, is the BTC Monero market. Okay. And, and when you, when you trade on BISC, the fees are go out in the, in this BSQ token, this colored coin token, right? And so the development of BISC is paid out in this BSQ token. And the majority of volume that pays out the value to that token is Monero volume. And the Monero users are forking BISC and they're switching it. They're calling it Haven O, I think. And they're going to make Monero the base pair. And all of this is happening at the same time that fees are rising on the Bitcoin chain. So there's a sense of urgency in the BIS community to move to something more practical um, to try and mitigate any kind of liquidity split situation that happens from the this this fork. Yeah, there's another interesting thing of the notes. So it said, finally, the recent BISC fork from some Monero community members, and then this next part is crossed out strike through crossed out adds pressure to find a solution as in case their fork will end up in a successful project it might take away a big chunk of the monero trade of volume which accounts for about 80 to 90 percent of the revenue of bisque such a reduction in volume could render bisque unsustainable so they struck that out and this is release notes from chimp 1984 dude this is like super it's like a super contentious topic so um I look forward to talking about this at length with Wales on Tuesday. I look forward to, to peeping it on that. Godspeed. Godspeed, best team. I love this shit, though. This is fun. This is like, this is the type of, uh, I, I, I love the, like, I don't know, like, anon wars that happen in Bitcoin land, you know? Yeah. It's, it's free market at its finest. Right. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If you're not using BISC, you're using a centralized exchange, do yourself a favor. In the very least, please make sure you're, you learn how to and you eventually do take possession of your own UTXOs, not your keys, not your coins. It's the beauty of Bitcoin is the fact that you have this digital bearer asset that you can hold and possess yourself and have full control over. That's how you actually participate in the P2P network. If you're not using your own UTXO, your own wallet, verifying with your own full node, the P2P, the first P in the P2P transaction is that centralized third party you're depending on. You're actually not one of the peers in that peer-to-peer network. Your exchange is interacting on behalf of you. So be aware. 
take care of take care of your keys learn don't get complacent use a sunday morning practice practice makes perfect spin up a a private wallet or not private wallet a personal wallet private to you um create a private public key pair write down a seed phrase erase your wallet spin it back up recover from seed send a little bit of sats send a little bit more sats get more comfortable get more comfortable practice makes perfect and you'll be like wow i can't believe i was ever scared of sending a bitcoin transaction in the past get on it freaks Adam Gibson on big picture join market improvements. I wasn't able to dive into this yet. What's going on? Well, these were fun to put back to back because it's the same idea, right? It's it's BISC and join market lead maintainers um, realizing that they need to start exploring um, long-term improvements. Uh, and, you know, Adam didn't really mention anything particularly um uh, unexpected uh people should go back and listen to the dispatch that I did with him and Waxwing uh that was a really really good fucking conversation that was 3 hours of us talking join market and the future of join market um and it's just it's just really good to see him making these moves you know because i you know he is one of the most talented minds in bitcoin privacy and our enemies are constantly improving and we have to constantly improve. So, um, and I, I think join market is great. It has served us very well. Um, but we should be making big moves. We should be making big moves. We're entering like a new paradigm of Bitcoin. Um, and our privacy tools should be moving along with it. Agreed. Shout out to Adam Gibson, AKA Waxwig legendary figure in the Bitcoin privacy space. Very excited to see um, that both these projects, BISC and Joy Market, are being proactive. You never want to see complacency. You can never settle, especially on a Bitcoin-like network, and you're combating people like chain surveillance companies that are honing in on their heuristics, and it's a, it's a whack-a-mole to try and get in front of them and destroy their heuristics and complacency defeats the ability to do that. So to see that BISC and Joint Market are being proactive in trying to get ahead of this stuff is an incredible thing to see. And while we're on the subject of privacy, there's a different way to make sure that your privacy is uh, better enhanced, if you will, as you're using the Bitcoin network. And that's how you propagate transactions. And you want to make sure that we have a diversified transaction relay options for Bitcoiners. And we're happy to report that Blockstream has... Uh, expanded the products that they're offering for their satellite transaction relay, um, their satellite, and they've released a base a base station. So it's like an all-in-one uh, base station features an advanced all-in-one antenna that enables users to run multiple Bitcoin nodes without internet access or any additional hardware. Um, so this is something that makes the Bitcoin network significantly more robust and freaks i'm sorry if you're hearing construction in the background i don't know what the hell's going on somebody just started buzz sawing in the background um yeah so i mean we already had the blockstream satellite we've talked about this many times um it's really multiple satellites and they're actually leasing space on someone else's satellite so these things are flying around the earth um and they allow you to download bitcoin blocks without any internet historically we've needed um 
a dish to do it. It was a big operation. You kind of had to do a lot of things yourselves. They had a kit, but it was definitely on the more complicated side. This makes it super easy. You don't have a dish. You just have this little box, this little flat panel. Um, and then it just plugs directly into your, your network, um, into a traditional network. I think it uses ethernet power over ethernet. So it uses ethernet. Um, and, um, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden you're connected to the Bitcoin network on the downside, you still need to be able to, if you want to send a transaction, you're going to need to be able to upload, uh, somehow, whether that's through the internet or cell or mesh or sneaker net, where you put on USB drive, assigned transaction, you broadcast it somewhere else. You're going to need to be able to broadcast. You can't broadcast with this. You can download. The cool thing is because it's passive, um, like a radio, like FM radio, ham radio, there's, there's no surveillance, uh, capability here. Right. So, so when you have, um, if, if you're on the internet and you're downloading Bitcoin blocks, your internet provider can tell your, your, your government could potentially tell if, if, if they're looking for it. Um, even if you run a VPN or tour, they can see the data, right? They see like a significant amount of data is being downloaded. This is one of the reasons why we wanted to keep the block size small. They see a significant amount of data being downloaded. This allows you to um, avoid that. So you could theoretically, even if you have internet, this is a more private way of doing it. You could download the blocks through the satellite. And then when it comes time to broadcast, you know, you can send a very small transaction with a very small amount of data um, through a VPN, through Tor to broadcast it out. Um, and it's a way more private way to use Bitcoin. Yes. Pretty cool. Very cool. And highlights the fact that Bitcoin as a project, particularly on the development side, may seem a bit slow, conservative, not up to date on the latest tech, but it's all in an effort to make sure that network is as resilient and robust as possible in, in case of worst case attacks. From, from a state government. This is what you want to see people working on if you truly want Bitcoin to succeed long-term. Things are nice right now. Things are rosy right now. We got JP Morgan bending the knee. We got South Korean Japanese companies buying exchanges, putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. We've got the IRS trying to tra like, hack in the hardware wallets. But any day, the long dick of the law could get a little angry and say, hey, we were going to try and attack bitcoin and these other cryptocurrencies and how do you increase the chances that that bitcoin the network survives an attack like that you create alternative transaction relay networks you make sure that people can download the blockchain with very very small hardware matt just said all this but i'm re reiterating it it's what we want to see it's a beautiful thing to see shout out to blockstream blockstream also um announced this week that they have a um a feed similar to no bullshit Bitcoin where it's like read only. You can comment on post. Um, I believe it's at Blockstream on Telegram. Did you join that group? No, I didn't know about it until just now. I'll check it out. So it exists. Be aware. We're at the software update section of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to start with cold card just because it's not on the list and Rodolfo wants us to talk about it. No, not, not wants us to talk about it. He pushed it out right before we. Uh, we yeah, went. I mean the the uh, 
Well, first of all, I just looked it up. Yeah, they added a Blockstream channel that is like their blog posts, but they also have a Telegram channel that is the Blockstream uh, satellite satellite transmission feed, which is what you can receive if you have the satellite. But if you don't, you can also use Telegram to receive it. Um, and that's just pretty cool because people are literally paying sats um, via lightning to broadcast any message they want to send, which is, I, I to this day, I think is the coolest fucking thing ever. And it was just too cool for Twitter because Twitter fucking banned that bot. Uh, very fucking the plebs were just sending crazy messages. Yeah, they were shit talking. Um, uh, as for the CoinKite update, um, yes, as, as, as for every legitimate company, they should rush out their updates to get them out before RHR. So, so <laughs> NBK was notified that RHR was going to be at 2 p.m. Um, I know, don't co-sign this message, by the way. I think you should take your, your sweet-ass time <laughs> don't rush your releases for your your hardware your firmware releases for our show right and actually to apologize i said 2 p.m I, what i meant to say was 1800 utc um the so he knew rhr was going to happen at 1800 utc so he got it out at like 1805 utc um and then like tagged us both in it uh so so what is that that's cold card v 4.1.0 has been released correct and it is, it adds the, how do you pronounce it? Is it XOR or Zor? XOR. 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 We talked about it for like 45 minutes on Dispatch, if freaks are curious about it. Yeah. Well, for the freaks that did not listen to Dispatch, but are listening to RHR, how would you describe it in, in 30 seconds? Um, you could take one seed and you can store it on you can split it between multiple seeds and all the seeds are BIP39 compliant. So they look like real seeds and you can store dummy funds on them. So in practice, what does that look like? You have a single sink cold card. And instead of storing your seed on a single steel plate, you can split it up onto two plates, four plates, six plates, eight plates, 10 plates, whatever you want to split it on. Each one will look like its own seed, but you're going to need all of them to recover the main wallet. So if anyone finds the single seed plate, they can't access your funds. It's like it's like simp it's it's not quite multi-sig. Multi-sig's better in that for a for a pro user, it's better that you can um you 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 can have it on different devices so you don't have to have all your secrets on the same device. So this has that same trade-off that Shamir's secrets has, where you have like all your secrets are on the same device when it comes time to signing. Um, but it's a nice, simple tool, I think personally for a new user who just has like a single SIG cold card, instead of them having to just worry about securing a single seed. And if someone finds that them losing their funds, they can store two and they have to find both and they can put them in different places. But it's important to realize that it's not like multi-SIG where you could have like a three of five. And if like two houses burned down, I don't know why you have five houses, two, two places burned down where you're storing your things, you can still recover your funds. In this case, whatever you pick, you're going to need all of those secrets in order to restore. The freaks shall inherit the earth and they will all have at least five houses, Matthew. <laughs> and if, if three of them burn down, then you can't access your multi-sig. <laughs> <laughs> don't just don't give away all your addresses. <laughs> you know, I just have like one of your five houses where things get delivered and then you, you keep the other four on the down low. So full disclosure, I think this is a really cool feature and uh, 6102 doesn't like it. So It seems a bit complex for me. 
the point is, is that it's simple compared to multisig. So on the cold card, instead of it showing you one 24 word seed, it'll show you two and then you secure both. That's it. And each are just individual seed. They're yeah, real like, seeds. So if someone finds it, you can store some coin on it. And if they find it, they'll think they found your seed plate. But like, where does the seed plate come in? Or whatever. If you write it on paper, you can write it on paper if you want to write it. But it's, it's instead of having like one 24 word seed, you can have as many as you want and you need all of them to, to recover. Uh, I see what you're saying. So like you could have four 24 word seeds and to recover the master wallet, you need all four 24 word seeds. So, so like it makes it so if attacker knows you have a cold card and finds a fucking seed phrase, they don't know if it's a child seed phrase or if it's, if it's your main seed phrase and you can store funds on each of the individual ones. You could even mix that with something like multi-sig. You could use those seeds for multi-sig. So you could have a multi-sig wallet on top of it. Yeah. It's getting way too complex in my opinion. Or like one key of your multi-seed extravagant split between multiple seeds. Yes, it, it competes with pass raises. It competes with Shamir's. You know, I think it's inferior to multi-sig, but multi-sig is more complex. But the, these, it's good that we have options. And it's good that... I agree. Because we have these options, it means an attacker... Gets like, confused. It's not so obvious in their head how you're storing your shit, right? What they're looking for. Yeah, I agree. Physically secure your devices. Physically secure your seed phrases. Geographically disperse, if you can, to mitigate all this risk. That's, right. But that's one thing I worry about, right? Is like overcomplicating it. Where who are Bitcoin holders? Like, how are they mainly going to lose their coins at the end of the day? Is it going to be more coins lost from attack or more coins lost from complicating the process? Hundred percent more coins are going to be lost from overcomplicating. Yeah. And just you're just gonna you're gonna fuck it up because you got too paranoid and you went a little bit too crazy yeah. uh, with it. And and someone mentioned in the comments, yeah, like once again with the passphrase, the passphrase is like the 25th word of your seed. So you have these 24 random words, and then you have your own passphrase is the 25th word. Those the best way to use a passphrase is just like we said with the seed XOR, if you have um, you put funds on the on the seed without the passphrase. So if an attacker finds the seed, they go, "Oh, I found your wallet." And then, but really, most of your funds are on the full twenty five words with the passphrase. Yeah. But the thing is, is if everyone's just doing that, then that doesn't help you, right? Because the attacker is going to be like, "Okay, like I took that money. Now where's your passphrase? Like I know you fucking have a passphrase." So it's important, I think, that we have many different ways of doing this. So that you're just throwing attackers for a loop. They don't know you might have multi-jurisdictional multi-sig. You might have seed XOR. You might have passphrase. You might have a combination of the three. You might be using Shamir's. Um, right? Like it's important that we have all these different options. Get German shepherds, carry guns. You know what we need? And this has been Five talked German about like, behind the scenes and nobody wants to say it publicly, but I'm just going to say it publicly. Like we need one of these attempted robbers to show up on a Bitcoin or the Bitcoiners like a pull gun on them and fucking shoot them in the face and just be like, don't fuck around, fuck around, find out. We need one of those. Well, I mean, usually when you find, when you hear about it, it doesn't happen in America. Yeah. Usually sure. it's, a, it's like in a European country with horrible gun laws. Um, the, I really like, and I can never use this idea because I've talked about it publicly, but I'll mention it again. 
is like five German shepherds, each one with like an RFID chip. And then they, they each have a multi-sig key. So you have to get each dog. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Like there's no other money you can store that way. Don't put the dogs between you and your Bitcoin. You know, you can get PETA after the podcast. <laughs> the last thing we need. I the mean, last thing we need is PETA coming. I love dogs. PC. Dogs are great. I'm going to have dogs regardless. You know, you might as well. We already have, have you have, might as well have them more. We already have Citadel Dispatch like getting us like DMSA, whatever it's called, takedown. DCMA? DCMA takedown. Should we shill that? BitcoinTV.com? Yeah, let's shill it. Shill it. It's an incredible. I've yet to have time to upload all the interviews, but. Uh, RHR's you, up there. We, got, we have a personal ISP. Yeah, we have. Wiz is managing the Citadel servers. Um, so we now have BitcoinTV.com. Uh, which is a peer tube instance, an open source version of YouTube. Um, all the recent RHR lives are uploaded there already. Marty's going to upload the TFTC uh, interview series and Citadel Dispatch is up there. So we don't have to worry for YouTube's inevitable ban of, of our channel, which will happen sooner or later. Matt and I had this discussion off record last night. Matt thinks it's going to be me that's going to get the channel banned. And I'm saying yeah, it's dude. him. They don't care about the copyright. They'll just block me. The copyright, they're not, it's like they they don't care. They care enough to block the individual videos, but they won't take the channel for. Like you talk about some, you know, let's talk talk about about something that could get us banned. (laughs) You you, You often talk about things that are on like the no speak list. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, it's eventually, I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. Yeah, maybe um, it will happen today because I'm about to fucking say something. A couple glasses of whiskey deep and <laughs> feeling emboldened. We the got freaks a don't psycho- need me to explain why you're going to get us canceled. <laughs> We've got a mass psychotic event going on right now, freaks. The world is under a, a psychotic delusion with COVID, everything going on right now. Like it is literally, you get looked at. I've had it to me, happen to me personally. And somebody's like, oh, we've talked about this in the past. Like, are you going to get the vaccine? I'm like, no, I'm a young good-looking, healthy 29-year-old. If I were to get COVID, I'd probably fart it out and not even worry about it. Like It wouldn't really affect me. And I, I tell people, like, no, I'm not getting that this experimental vaccine. And they freak out at me. And yet, we have example after example after example of young, healthy men and women getting it and getting, like, my, my critis. Like, this dude, he seems like, it seems like a dude that was, like, getting first in line to get the vaccine, like happy-go-lucky, like doing his part. His name's Tom Schultz. Came out yesterday, yes, and April twenty-eighth. So on April twenty-seventh, he had a heart attack. Cardiovascular system is completely normal and healthy. But last week, I took the Pfizer vaccine, and there are reports that it's been causing heart complications. Most causes have been ruled out, and it looks like Pfizer may have done this to me. The number of people, specifically younger men, that have reached out saying they've had heart attacks issues to post heart issues to post vaccine is astounding even people in my immediate network low odds of happening doesn't seem too low from where i'm sitting moreover according to my doctor there have been many more cases of my exact situation in this very hospital young men 18 to 30 years old going through mild to severe cardiac events post vaccine even moderna and johnson johnson this is crazy and today he tweeted it's official i have myocarditis cause either from a viral infection which i have no symptoms of or from the vaccine i think the answer is clear feeling better should be discharged with medication later today 
It's crazy to say like, hey, I don't want the vaccine. I'd rather get the COVID. Where is this from? Twitter. Tom Dude. Schultz. Tom he, Schultz. He lives. He lived, but he's got like a picture of himself in a hospital bed. Fuck. Like, looks like a healthy young man. Had a heart attack. But by the way, Marty, you're you realize you're proving my point. But this is like this is the type of talk that's gonna. This is why we're gonna get removed from YouTube. Had not, a freak reach out to me earlier today after I wrote right. yesterday's newsletter. Today's newsletter. Regarding today's newsletter, experimental vaccine is right. When people ask me if I will take it, my answer is fuck no. My friend's 34-year-old little brother, perfect health and fit, got the second Moderna shot on Monday. Tuesday, had a seizure and was rushed to the ICU. Now he's still in ICU and unconscious. They're doing a third MRI, swelling in his brain. He may not make it. My friend is understandably erect. How come hospitals are obligated to report COVID cases and not vaccine cases? This should be a national story. Also, my 53-year-old friend died of heart failure. What do you know? He took the second dose of the vaccine two weeks prior. Otherwise healthy. This is a freak? This is a freak. He reached out to me after yesterday's newsletter. And guess what, YouTube? You want to take us down? Like, I didn't claim anything. I'm just, like, literally reading anecdotes from people that are reaching out to me. I don't want to get the vaccine. I, I will rather risk it. And I'm going to put my neck on the line and say that because I know there's a silent majority of people that think this maybe not a silent majority but a, a large number well, of i mean members. we're not very silent in the bitcoin community no i mean people should not be forced to take anything period if you want to take it you can take it we've already discussed this on this podcast i have no problem your body your choice my body my choice i'm not but let's be clear that if we do get canceled from youtube like this is why we're going to get canceled from youtube which i'm fine with by the way because we have bitcointv.com i'm completely at peace i already thought we were going to get canceled from youtube but it's important. It is like nothing crazy either. So it's like, well, that's the only reason we haven't gotten canceled is because we just aren't very good at YouTube. Like I've, I was telling you this off air. I was like, if we had 20,000, 30,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube, maybe we would be canceled already. But they're like, ah, you know, they're, they're under 10K. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it is crazy. Like yesterday's bent, I, I, I felt compelled to get it out there. There is an episode of mass psychosis going on in our society right now. People are literally denying reality. People are detached from reality. They've been fed a conjured illusion by the mainstream media. Please unplug your boob tubes, people. These, these media outlets, the political class, the corporate class, the academic class, they're feeding you bullshit and everybody's picking it up. Like, it, like another thing that pisses me off, making kids wear a mask. It infuriates me when I'm at the park with my son and I see other kids seven to 12 years old running around they should be having the time of their life and they're fucking wearing masks and their parents it makes me very angry i don't think we should be making children do that i just think it's pretty crazy that people have lived through 2020 and now 2021 and they just like blindly trust their governments and corporations still right and this goes for bitcoiners too like there's a lot of like the overwhelming majority of bitcoiners are uh, skeptical of the vaccine, which is fantastic to see. Um, but in in the Bitcoin privacy discussion, there are a lot of fucking cucks that are just completely fine with just trusting governments and corporations to act in good faith. And it's just very weird to me. And I I, it's just it's been a crazy KYC fucking year. Had a good tweet right before we went live too. I'm trying to remember the exact context. Oh, is the FDA came out. And said they're gonna they're gonna ban menthol the the creation and distribution of menthol cigarettes 
And his tweet was like, yeah, they're going to ban like a type of fucking cigarette and you don't think they're going to try and ban self-custody. The, the Before all this, before COVID, they were going after e-cigs. They were like, uh, cigarettes are still fine, but like, but God forbid you have, you know, a menthol jewel or whatever, like fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And freaks. There was a lot of hoopla over the, the picture of me smoking a dart in my cowboy outfit in Austin, Texas last week. You know what? A dart every once in a while never killed anybody. <laughs> a dart. Is that Philly talk or, or Texas talk? Dart. I learned the term dart in Philly, but I, I would love to bring it to Texas. If I can offer anything to Texas, I'll bring dart down. Well, anyway, I'm, I've happily quit cigarettes. So um, I'm, I'm, you're welcome to do whatever you'd like to do, and I will never give you shit for anything you do, Marty. Um, I've had a tobacco addiction since I was like 16. But I'm very, I'm very proud of myself for quitting nicotine. It is, you know, one of my most low time preference decisions. I started out with chew. That was my thing. I do, I do like a ten a day until I was like 21. I never got into. That. I was, I was a smoker, but not a. Never, never did chew. Yeah. Okay, can we get back to Bitcoin? Yeah, we can. We got to wrap. Be it skeptical, up. freaks. Always stay skeptical, no matter what, and think for yourself, and don't listen to us, well, and just do what do like do what you think is best. Yes, don't be skeptical for skepti- skept skepticity, skepticism's Skept- sake. God damn, skepticity Marty. is not a word. Bro. <laughs> don't be skeptical for skepticism's sake. The other part of that sentence that you just said: do your own research. Read like that's the thing. Like once you read, like you literally go to the CDC and read the data that they put out and literally the risk reward of taking this vaccine in my mind, like it doesn't make sense to me. When you look at the infections and deaths of people in our age group, then you compare it to the stories that are coming out compared to uh, with the vaccine stuff. And then you like, you get more data and it's coming to be pretty clear that if you're out of shape, overweight, like that's the people that it's affecting the most. So if you're an in-shape young person, you're probably good to go. Marty's out. Skepticity. <laughs> Whatever, bro. Umbrel version 0.3.9 has been released. If you're running Umbrel, that is the latest version. You may want to upgrade Raspi Pl- Blitz. Now I can't speak at all. You're in my head, Marty's out. Raspi Blitz version 1.7.0 has been released. Spectre version 1.3.1 has been released. And actually, one of the harken back to the latest cold card release they have bit 48 uh they did something with bit 48 what do they do enhancement add support for bit 48 derivations when exporting generic json for sparrow specifically so not specter i got sparrow and specter messed up in my mind speaking of sparrow version 1.4.0 has been released sphinx relay version 2.0.13 has been released BTC pay server version 1.1.0 has been released, and this is pretty big. They added Lightning Loop to this. I believe so. Lightning Loop is available if you're running a Lightning node with BTC pay server. Now has Loop, so you can do easier channel management. Um, I think they had a lot of UX and UI updates as well. For this BTC pay server update, Spectre Do-It-Yourself guide from Crypto Advance uh, has been updated that was released four hours ago. And now we're back to news. Square adds, former vice president of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, is Center for Capital Markets Competitiveness to their board. Wasn't aware of this dude. 
or chick, excuse me. How sexist to me. Julie Stitzel was at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce's Center for Capital Markets at Competitiveness prior to joining Square. I'm sorry, Julie. That was very sexist of me to, to assume a gender before. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, look, the takeover, the regulatory capture and takeover of, it like makes me uneasy you know, because it's, it's mostly these larger corporations that are doing it, but at the same time, it's, there is a bullish element to it, right? That we do have uh, these Bitcoin focused companies are hiring. This is, you know, we had two last week, right? We had Brian Brooks and uh, who's the former comptroller of the currency. And before that, the chief lawyer of Coinbase, he did like a double revolving door. And we had the CFTC chair, Giancarlo, um, who joined BlockFi, Brian Brooks is running Binance US now. And then this person uh, is a former Chamber of Commerce. And now she is at Cash App doing their Bitcoin policy. So like we're just, it's happening quicker than I would expect. That's yes. all. And I Imagine being bearish right now. I am terribly sorry for the mix up. I did not read this story earlier and i just assumed before clicking the link it's are you just trying to you're just trying to get us canceled from youtube you're just trying to prove my point julie it's <laughs> gonna piss the freaks off welcome to the cash app team it's great to have you on board <laughs> come on the pod we'd love to have you on the pod uh what else we got here lnd benchmarking thousand transactions per second on consumer bps is possible bottle pay did this oh we already no we didn't this uh, is a follow-up yost had a an update so this one so he did general uh, uh lightning implementations and then this one's lnd specific presumably the next one's going to be c lightning right he's going to go through the implementations and what's really cool here is is he didn't try and do like some like magical uh like super corporate expensive benchmarking right this is like how much transactions per second can we reach on like a normal like aws cloud instance um and it seems like a thousand transactions per second is in reach which i think is bullish i think that's bullish too but didn't roast beef do do it on his m1 and it was even higher than that i'm not aware of what you're talking about if i recall correctly the the first article that yoast put out running this test on like raspberry pis and stuff like that the tps for lnd came in really low and then roast beef alawu tested it on his m1 and it like went up like orders of magnitude could be wrong um yeah i'm not i'm not sure about that i, I look at the end of the day it's early days of lightning so i think these are all starting points and i think that we should take them as starting points and and we our expectations should be that um, it'll obviously get more efficient over time and better over time. Um, I, I think it's important that we do a shout out for freak barrage in, the in the chat. Uh, it's important for you freaks to like and subscribe uh, to this video on YouTube if you're watching live right now. So we get banned quicker. It's, so just please do that. Um, so that I could prove my point to Marty that we're just too small of account to get banned yet. Well, like, are we increasing our chances to get banned? Because we're like, ban us, ban us. Like, hey, like, All right, it doesn't matter. We have Bitcoin TV. We have other platforms. Uh, we'll come to you regardless. We'll make Bitcoin it happen. TV.com. Check it out, freaks. 
this was extremely cool, especially for somebody like me who likes to surf a lot. Bitcoin Beach. Shout out Miles Suter. Shout out Jack Mallers. Shout out Mike, who's running Bitcoin Beach. They got it featured in Stab Mag, which is like a, <laughs> it's just like hilarious. Stab Mag's like a like a small um, surfing magazine, but they they detailed what's going on at Bitcoin Beach, particularly with their integration of Bitcoin throughout their local economy, how they're integrating Lightning, and what it's actually doing for the local economy. And like Bitcoin Beach is now supporting the Olympic surfing team in El Salvador. I think it's like the first Olympic team that they're actually allowed uh, the first Olympic surfing team, at least that that is from El Salvador that will be joining the Olympics this year. Um, but it was like incredible to see the surfing magazine providing significantly better journalism on Bitcoin adoption than your mainstream financial publications, Bloomberg at crypto. Like even like Coindesk to some extent, the block crypto like this was actual like on the ground adoption of Bitcoin journalism by a surfing magazine. That was pretty significant. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, this write up is fantastic. I mean, we already, we're a little bit biased because we fucking love the Bitcoin beach project. Um, but this write up was, a, this is a fantastic write up. How did they end it? They ended it with, what was the sentence? It was like, Bitcoin uh, is not I, the future. It's the present. So bullish. Yes. I love but it. also another important thing to note in, uh, this article, they mentioned the fact that uh, there is a training facility being built, a surfing training facility in El Zante at the Bitcoin Beach. Um, but they're also doing a fundraiser for Catherine Diaz, who tragically died while surfing. She was the Olympic, she was an Olympian, a 22 year old, um, was surfing a freak storm, flew into town. She got struck by lightning while, while in the water um, and passed away, unfortunately. But uh, the Bitcoin Beach Initiative is looking to raise 10 Bitcoin to secure the land uh, and for the facility that will be um, in her name. We will be contributing to these efforts at TFTC. I have to coordinate with Miles on the side to to see how much how we're going to get the Bitcoin into the hands of this fundraiser. But yeah, if you guys want to contribute to this, I think it's a great cause. Um, again, they're going to be building a facility in El Zante dedicated to Catherine Diaz, who tragically passed away. She was, uh, in, from what I've heard secondhand, was a, a bright spot in the community, um, particularly the surfing community in El Zante. So especially if you're a surfer, and some of you freaks out there are surfers and you want to give back to um, the community, the surfing community specifically, uh, this is a great cause. RIP, it's important for us to support these kind of things. Yes. Our boy Pete Rizzo. He dropped an amazing history piece this uh, week on Satoshi's disappearance in Bitcoin magazine. Uh, I don't think I can do it justice trying to describe it, but essentially Bitcoin, excuse me, Bitcoin, Satoshi disappeared um, sort of abruptly. A decade he, ago. Yeah, had some hints that he was going to do it, but abruptly left April of 2011. It's crazy to think Satoshi was only around for like a little over two years. It's a yeah, I mean, Bitcoin too. Yeah, and that was actually it's a good time to plug the episode that is already loaded up and will be dropping at 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow, which is the episode Matt and I recorded last night with Gabriel Shifton, who is Julian Assange's brother. And we actually had a very interesting discussion um, comparing Julian and Satoshi as leaders of these 
pretty massive revolutionary movements. Julian wanted to be public and be a lightning rod. Satoshi, obviously a pseudonym, and dropped away from the public eye again a little after two years into the project. Um, and that juxtaposition, those different strategies for these types of actions, these revolutionary actions in the digital age, whether it be uh, just doing journalism, actual journalism in the digital age and, and getting access to information to individuals around the world about how their governments are, are acting poorly in their name or launching a peer-to-peer distributed cash system like, cash system like Satoshi did um, in terms of having a, a, a leader. There's different strategies. Satoshi chose the pseudonym and, and Julian Assange was obviously the public lightning rod that took attention away from the other WikiLeaks workers. Yeah, I mean, definitely listen to that conversation. We had Julian's brother, Gabriel, um, a very powerful discussion. Um, and if you, if you, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't watched or listened to the the live stream yesterday about Sistoshi Disappear Day, um, I, I did co-host that with Rizzo, um, and we just had a really great conversation. Uh, there, there's multiple great conversations. There's like four good conversations in a row. It's about four hours of content. So if you haven't checked that out, go check that out. Um, yeah. We're going to blow more smoke up Bitcoin Magazine's ass and our good friend, Alex Gladstein, who I met up with in Austin. And some gentleman drew a nice picture of us. Did you share that picture? It's on it's on Twitter somewhere. And I have, I believe I have the, the drawing somewhere in this house right now. It's a beautiful picture. Shout awesome. out to the, the local artist in Austin who made my hairline look fucking in fuego. And it, like the, the picture he got of, of Alex and I were like literally just enthralled in a Bitcoin conversation, just talking about Bitcoin, freedom. And our boy Alex wrote an incredible piece in book Bitcoin magazine. He's going to be doing a bi-weekly column there. I believe this was the first or second. It's this, Dude, I fucking hate the term bi-weekly. We talked about this last week. Semi-weekly would be twice a week bi-weekly is every two weeks no bi-weekly could be both okay yeah. uh, whatever but yeah he's doing every two weeks this is his second post yes and it's on uncovering the <laughs> hidden cost of the petrodollar he goes deep into the world's recurve how the world's reserve currency relies on oil dictators inequality and the military industrial complex it's so good. standard could change this these are two feel- long reads yeah, I feel like we all knew that like the petrodollar is like fucked up and not fair and like slave money. Uh, but uh, I didn't know, you know, I thought I knew, but I didn't know. Like you should go read the post. Like it's pretty crazy. It's very crazy. And like so. Bitcoiners particularly, like I feel like we're more in tune with this shit. You know, like we all know, like I think most Bitcoiners, like if you send them a picture of the Bretton Woods Hotel. Like they're like, oh, Bread and Woods. Most yeah. people don't know what Bread and Woods is. Like, I have no idea what that fucking is. Um, but still, enlightening. Very good. A lot of research went into both pieces, whether that's Rizzo or Gladstein. But uh, that Gladstein one, man. Like the fact that we have like these like progressive Bitcoin haters that are like attacking us for like Bitcoin being morally bad as money as they like buy a sandwich from like their corporate fucking slave master with their, with their fucking petrodollar is absolutely ridiculous. Like Blood money. what the fuck is going on? Blood money. And it's slave money too. It's enslaving anybody who uses that as a, as a reserve currency because you're forced to stay on the hamster wheel, stay on the hamster wheel, stay on the hamster wheel. Consume, pretty crazy. consume, consume. 
Coom, consume, coom, debunk, obey, shut your eyes, shut your ears, open your mouth, just take this thing. Don't ask <laughs> any questions. Now? now you're just sexually assaulting the freaks. <laughs> uh, seriously, Alex and Pete, if you're listening, I finally caught up on both your articles today. Pete and I, we've been emailing for a couple of weeks. We should record episodes on both of them. To dive deep. Yo, I like Rizzo a lot now. He's been he's 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 Rizzo's had, into a, had a renaissance, man. Yeah, a renaissance, a very strong one too. He's based now. He's one of those journalists that was like, "Hey, I actually want to start accumulating Bitcoin." And then as soon as he did, it's just like, let's just incredible history story. Incredible. You see, he went all story. caps. Yeah, I did see that. I saw he told me he was never going to go all caps. He couldn't help himself. He could. He not. couldn't fucking help himself. Welcome, welcome, Pete. Not that I have to welcome you. You've been around. Let the caps time. flow through you, Rizzo. <laughs> all right what should we wrap it up on here anything to riff on before that's it on the uh on the list i mean look i'm excited for your trip i think that's going to be a lot of fun i mean I, you have a car picking you up in an hour right yeah i mean we don't have to tell the freaks that but yeah i yeah. apologize um i think that's going to be dope i'm excited for you uh I, I i think i think it's important for people to realize that life is fucking short you know, and uh, to enjoy it. Like I, I, we talk about low time preference a lot and it is absolutely important that we don't fuck over our grandkids. Um, they're counting on you. So don't screw them up. But at the same time, like you never know, you never know what's going to happen in six months, a year, and you just got to fucking enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Be grateful. You only got one life. We're on a rock flying through space. We're a speck of dust. We're that pale blue dot. It's incredible that we're alive right now. It's incredible that we have this opportunity to be cognitive, to be able to speak through this microphone, through this video conference, live to you freaks out there. It's, I know we get uh, pretty, I don't want to say down in the dumps, but it's like, oh, shit, man, things are pretty heavy. But things are also pretty beautiful. The fact that we can congregate like this. Yes, there is a mass psychosis going on to a certain extent, but... You can fight back against it. It's by speaking up. It's by congregating here. It's by sharing these ideas and, and being confident about sharing these ideas. The more these ideas spread, the better we can chip away at the mass psychosis, at the control. We can, we can also use the good aspects of these tools, of these communication tools particularly, to spread good messages. And that's what we're trying to do here at Rabbit Hole Recap, at TFTC in general, at Citadel Dispatch. We love you, freaks. We just want to spread the good ideas. Marty, uh cosign that uh zero to ten ten being most optimistic zero being like the biggest debbie downer ever um like where do you stand currently the state of our existence i'm always at a steady seven yeah i i think that's a little bit bearish but I think that's pretty solid. Like I, I would probably put myself like an eight and a half or something. You, you were, you were always gonna up whatever. I no said. matter what you said, I was gonna up. It, guys. <laughs> you never answer first. You know I'm optimistic. You know I'm an optimistic type. I, th I think it's important for the freaks to realize that we're, we're. I think we're extremely optimistic people. Like it, it, we get down in the dumps a lot. Uh, but we made it through 2020 together, freaks, and now we're making it through 2021 together. Um, I am fucking hyped as fuck about Miami like I'm just like ridiculously fucking hyped about Miami and I think uh the future is bright as Marty always says I you know I'm, I'm just I thank god we have bitcoin right thank god we have bitcoin it's not seriously 
if anything, yeah, freaks in the chat. we can meet here and talk, like shoot the shit every week. Imagine we didn't have Bitcoin. We didn't have the show. Go. Like, what would our lives be like right now? Freaks the in the chat. Hit us like? with your number. I might still be unemployed. <laughs> Bitcoin got me that job at Barstool. Hornet it was, 6. it was the 9. bent, right? Hilarious. Yeah, the bent. The bent convinced Lou, like, all right, this kid knows what he's talking about. He's going to be your Bitcoin guy. You guys forget I was unemployed when the newsletter first started, when the podcast first started, too. I had to beg Lou to give me a job at Barstool. It's crazy how life can switch, how fast it can switch around. It can turn. Your luck can turn. If you're down in the dumps right now, keep pushing. I was unemployed for like almost two years at one point. That's pretty crazy, Marty. Now you're, you know, the future Vanderbilt. I don't know about that. But luckily, I have a very <laughs> strong woman behind me, my wife. My wife bought Marty's stock extremely low. She married me like a year into my unemployment. She bought the dip. She bought She bought the dip hard. I love you, honey, if you're listening. <laughs> All right, Matthew, I got to get this up before. Yeah, I love you, bro. I love you, freaks. Stay humble, stack sets. Love all y'all. Peace and love. Tiki!